0: the new AM 740. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests.
1: From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM 740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil? The boys are back. Let's talk Sports. Good morning and welcome
2: to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. This morning, Wally is away in Georgia and we have a uh, co-host today, a special co-host, Lou Franceschetti, former Toronto Maple Buffalo Sabres, and Washington Capitals. Hi, Louie. How are you doing? Morning, Naz, how are you? Good, thanks. Trade deadline, NHL trade deadline. What an interesting afternoon it was, or early evening on Thursday, with David Clarkson, what's your feelings on that uh, trade? With
3: well, I was Columbus. shocked when I heard it. I was uh, I was driving in uh, to watch a game at the Air Canada Center, and uh, third uh, first time uh, I heard, it, I thought it was a joke until I started walking through the Air Canada Center, and then all the scuttlebutt was uh, that they actually did the undoable in trading Clarkson's contract for uh, for Nathan Horton. Uh, the unfortunate thing is that. You're trading uh, dead weight for dead weight. Yeah. Uh, you know, Nathan Horton is a top-class player. Uh, the thing with David Clarkson, it was just it was unfortunate that he just couldn't get uh, on track here. And obviously, with the dollars and cents that he was making was probably the focal point of his demise, uh, especially in a, in a tough hockey city like Toronto.
2: Yeah, he goes over there yesterday and plays uh, on the top line with Johansson and uh, Felino, So he's got a spot that he would never have had here on uh, on the lease. And you were you were mentioning about his days in New Jersey and the, how they used him as a penalty killer and uh, power play guy. And when he came here, it wasn't that wasn't the case.
3: Well, I think there are different roles. Uh, in New Jersey, he's just one of the guys uh, with a second-line role player that can more or less uh, kill penalties, uh, power play units. Not necessarily the first power play unit, but the second power play unit. Uh, he played for a coach that he played for in junior and uh, Peter DeBoer. So the, uh, the comfortability of, of those two guys and knowing that uh, whatever he did, was he was going to be successful at it. And he just went out and played his game. I understand when people come to big cities with big contracts, they tend to grip uh, the stick a little bit harder than they usually do. And they, they're not natural players. They do things that they're not capable of, uh, uh, of doing. So they go out and, and play in, uh, more or less in a non-comfort zone.
2: You played in, uh, in a different era, of course, but how was the pressure in uh, Toronto when you came here from Washington?
3: The pressure is, uh, is always there when you're going to a new team because you've got you've to show the guys on the team that you were capable of, of one, of playing, and two, to fit into to their culture. When I came here, um, it was just a situation where I was a Toronto boy looking forward to playing every Saturday night and every Monday night, and uh, I, pro- I brought my lunch bill that was the only thing that i that was any different than washington in washington you can walk along the streets and nobody would know you from adam uh in toronto it was more or less okay let's go to work because they're, they're a blue-collar city uh you look at the players that have gone through the system here wendell clark matt Sandine, uh, dougie gilmer uh, darcy tucker shane corson these are all guys stevie thomas these are all guys that uh, bring their lunch pails to work every single day they work hard and they leave everything on the ice and then uh and then they go home uh with with guys that say that they can't come here and play i think it's a crock you know what it's just more or less that it's a mindset for them that they just can't go out and, and perform the same way they did in the other cities
2: you are a very popular player you you are a banger for sure I uh, saw you play quite often at maple leaf gardens and you were quite the banger and uh the leaf fans love that type of player and uh they love guys that give efforts, and it seems to me that this year has been lacking in uh, in that area.
3: Well, I think the last couple of years, uh, the only year that they've really had a team with an identity was two years ago when they took Boston uh, to Game 7 there, and they lost it in the last uh, 10 minutes. Uh, before that, and even in the last couple of years, this team hasn't had an identity. Uh, they're probably one of the easiest teams to play it on their home ice because there's, there's no effort, there's no forechecking uh there's nobody that's willing to to physically battle you there's nobody that's uh that wants to get on the puck and, and create that contact and uh, i think leo Komaroff, uh was probably one of the few players that really did that two years ago last year they missed it this year after his injury he really hasn't been the same so uh obviously daniel winnick was, was part of it also and it's tough to see a guy like that go
2: uh, we're going to get into that after the break. We're going to discuss the uh, Dave Nonis as the general manager and back to two years ago, if you don't mind. We're going to go to a break, our commercial break, and we'll be back with uh, Lou Franceschetti.
4: It was a rainy day in Pizzaville during our All About the Taste event. If you agree that Pizzaville's delicious margarita pizza is the best-tasting margarita pizza you've ever had go to pizzaville.ca and enter to win a trip to Italy's Amalfi Coast. If you don't think it's the best tasting margarita pizza, you can still enter to win a different trip. You can go to hell, Michigan. For details, go to pizzaville.ca. There's an old saying,
5: entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice.
0: Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Sittler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt
6: Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alta Infinity, woodbridge.com at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire
0: you at every turn. Discover Villanova College, York Region's only independent co-educational Catholic school. We offer small class sizes and a commitment to academic excellence towards properly preparing students for university and lifelong success. If you are a young person or a parent seeking more from today's education, then take a moment to learn more about Villanova College. Find out about our specialized enrichment programs, including STEM and Advanced Placement. For information regarding admissions or to schedule a personal Tour, visit VillanovaCollege.org.
1: The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM 740. This
2: is also a call-in time. Uh, if you want to call in and join us, and I have a question for Louie or myself. 416 360 0740 740 4740. Again, 416 360 0740 740 4740. Toll free. Louis, let's get back to two years ago. You said about the Toronto Maple Leafs having an identity with Komarov, and then he went to the KHL and came back this year. Did you have any connection? You were a coach for a few years. Did you have any connection to the general manager on who you wanted on the ice and who you didn't want, what type of player you wanted?
3: Uh, I, I think coaches and GMs are in constant contact uh, with each other uh, on a regular basis. Uh, obviously, every day you see each other until probably uh, 8 o'clock in the morning or till about 3 or, uh, 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon. There's constant contact. There's, there's, there's constant uh, verbal uh, talk re- regarding uh, how they can make their team better, who's out there, what do we have to give up, who would you like to move on your team, who would you like to call up, who's playing well down in the minors. Uh, that, that's one thing about professional sports. They're always looking at making uh, themselves better, and there's always uh, some kind of contact uh, with the GM or even other GMs uh, in, their, uh, in the other teams that can make them, uh, their teams better.
2: So let's look back at uh, two years ago. Dave Nonis is the general manager... And he has Mikhail Grabowski, Nikolai Kuleman, and Clark MacArthur as a line during the playoffs against Boston. He buys out Grabowski. Kuleman has one more year on his contract, so they keep him. They couldn't buy him out because Grabowski was it. That was that was the only one they could buy out as part of the, uh, the agreement, the Players Association agreement. And... Uh, those The the other two guys were let like, go, oh, right? Mm-hmm. Did Carlisle, you think, have anything to do with that?
3: I don't know if uh, Randy had anything to do with that. Uh, like I said, you're always looking at upgrading the talent on your hockey team. Uh, Clark MacArthur had come off a pretty good year. Maybe they, they, they just thought that the money that he wanted was just a little bit too rich for them because they knew they had other guys that were coming up uh, that could either fill the role that uh, that he had uh, they, probably, they can go out and sign somebody for a little bit less than, than he, what he was offering. And also you got to remember, Clark is only coming off that one good year of scoring, I think 20 goals, uh, coming over from Atlanta as a free agent, uh, well under the bargaining price that, uh, that he was making
2: uh, in Atlanta. So it's just one of these, like... Uh, yeah, but they, wh- signed, they signed Bolin and Clarkson for a lot more money than uh, with Grabowski. Well, Grabowski was making $5 million and uh, Clarkson made five point two five.
3: Yeah, you're right. Um, they
2: brought in Bolin and uh, Clarkson for those two guys. They, they, was Bolin, that a mistake?
3: Dave they, Bolin came over in a trade. Okay, they, so they, they accepted his salary. Yeah, I know,
2: but they, used, they, they replaced that spot in the lineup.
3: Yeah. With bowling. You're, you're right. Uh, I think the Grabowski deal was probably their first mistake that they made. They should have given him the the money because he's he's a player that you know. Some games you see him, especially against Montreal, because of the hatred coming over from the from that team. And other teams, other games, you probably wouldn't even reckon he was a, he was on the ice. So that, that was their probably their first mistake, and uh, they actually bought him out. I think three or four months after that yeah, they that did. they that they signed him. Uh, the Clark MacArthur deal. Uh, you know, he, he was probably looking at anywhere between three and $4 million at the time coming off 20 goals where he came here at a bargain low price of a million five to $2 million. So it's, you know, it's, it's apples and oranges. I guess at that time you've got to do what you think is, is right for the organization, hoping that, that everything does work out and there's going to be somebody down the
2: pipeline that's going to come in and, and play that role. But they, had, uh, they did have an identity back then. They were a fast... Tough as nails type of team. That's the one I remember that went to the playoffs in the shortened season. They had Mark Fraser on defense. They had Colton Orr. They had uh, the other Fraser. Uh, Fraser yeah. Fraser, and I think that's Fraser where the
3: yeah that's where the identity came uh, with because you knew that if anything happened to Kessel or anybody like that, that Randy was going to throw Carlisle and uh, not Carl, but he was Randy was going to throw uh, Colton Orr and uh, Fraser McLaren on the ice to straighten things out. And also you had a kid, uh, Mark Fraser, who really came out of nowhere. Yeah, he was tough. And, and he was tough as nails until he got hit with uh, with the shot in the first round of the, against Boston.
2: It seemed like everything went downhill after that. But what I'm saying is I think Carlisle had something to do with Nonis' decision on bringing in Bolin and Clarkson for the team. He, fe- he felt, and the other one was Bernier the goalie, like Reimer had played and he almost, he almost won the series. And uh, they ended up bringing uh, Bernier in, also. So I, I have a feeling that there was some talk between the two. Well, of
3: them. There, there, there probably was uh, some talk between the two, but at the end of the day, uh, everything has to be brought to the board here in Toronto. Yeah. Uh, Brian Burke was on board, I think, or we, I can't remember if he was let go or no, not. No, Brian
2: that, Brian Burke was uh, let go.
3: He was let go prior so to the. There, there's, uh, there's, there's, there's prior conversation uh, to that extent that. Uh, Probably lot, Randy did have a little bit and say, listen, we got to bring in somebody with a little bit more gumption, so to speak. Uh, but I think the final say probably came down to Dave Nonis. Uh, I, I don't think Ran- Randy had a lot to say. He had his two cents, and then Dave was probably the guy that probably pulled the trigger. Yeah,
2: and now Dave Nonas has to repair that. I mean, it was his, ultimately his decision on uh, who to trade and who not to sign and he ultimately has to change things and he he, is, he has done that do you think he'll be back next year that's a good question uh
3: I, i'm not sure how to answer that because of my association with uh, with the leaf alumni and uh right now uh he's he's done a pretty good job of cleaning out some uh, some players that that are leaving at the end of the year and gotten some good draft picks um, they definitely have to get better at the draft table uh mm-hmm. I didn't know that they had no second-round picks for the last couple of years, and and even the last players that they have drafted really haven't panned out. And you look at the teams that that are successful in this league, and they have built their teams through drafts, and if you don't do that, you're going to be in big-time trouble because you're going to be looking for players that are either coming off one good year and you're going to have to overpay uh, for them to come and play in this city.
2: How has Nona's done so far in the, in the trading of players?
3: I think he's got an A on it. Uh, you know, when you trade a guy like Franzen and Centrale and, and get a, a first-round pick back and you get a, a second-round pick in 2016 for, uh, for Winnick, uh, I think he's done a really good job because now you're bringing in players that hopefully three, four years down the road, you're telling everybody that these are players uh, that are going to be in the organization. Mind you, you can always use those draft picks uh, later on and get good quality players back too. But I think that uh, with Mark Hunter coming on board and his keen eye for talent uh, at the OHL, OHL level, uh, I think they're really going to start building this thing through the draft.
2: Now, um, they have three guys left that are, our contracts are uh, running out, and that's Holzer, um, Booth. How are they going to uh, do on other teams?
3: Well, I think the two guys that you mentioned are more or less, uh, if they can deal them for something, uh, they they will, uh, only because they'll, they'll be getting assets down the road. Um, I don't think, you know, I'm not sure what, what their availability is, and I don't know what their value is around the league. Somebody's looking for a right-handed shot defenseman. That's about six three, six four. 6'4". Uh, some nights he's physical, some nights he's not. David Booth is going to be a very good utility man. If you want a depth player, uh, I'm not sure if his value is going to be worth maybe a fifth or sixth or seventh round draft pick right now. So there's really those parts really aren't movable. And all the, the Jokinen and, and, and Jokinen, but Jokinen came in a trade with uh, with Nashville, somebody that's looking for a, a third or fourth line center that can give him a little bit of offense. And I, I think with uh, with Jokinen and having only six games played in the playoffs, there's a lot of uh, drive there for him to to play good so he can get dealt to a team that's uh, going to be in contention for the playoffs. Uh, but i think they've more or less they've put everything past them right now uh they're going to try to clear some uh, cap space and, and start working towards next
2: year now uh what is their team going to look like next year i wonder uh do you, of 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 the core players who who's your gut feel that is going to be gone <laughs> boy you're really putting a gun to my heart. <laughs> <laughs> i
3: i i really don't know who's going to be gone and, and again it's a fire sale, but they're not going to give away these players for nothing. Uh, you look what Chicago did last night. Uh, they had to give up a first-round pick as much as they said they weren't going to do it to get Andrew Vermette. Uh, the table has been set with, with Florida dealing a second-round pick to, to Jersey for Yarmy Yarger. So you've got to look at what you're going to get in return. You're not going to give Kessel, you're not going to give Faneuf, you're not going to give uh, Lupo away for nothing. You're going to have to get some value back, whether it's in a first-round pick or a, a top-five prospect off, a hockey, uh, off one of those teams or a, t- uh, or a player that's just been drafted over the last couple of years. So they're not going to give away these guys for nothing.
2: Louis, uh, um interview last night, he looks like he wants to be out of here so fast. He, I think he's had enough, and I think the Leafs are going to make the trade happen with Phaneuf. Well, he looks—he <laughs> looks just. Oh my goodness! Last night, he,
3: he looks he's like done. a guy that he's, he beat up pretty bad. He's <laughs> done. Yeah, and I think it's it. There's a lot more issues there besides the on-ice issues, uh, but it's just one of those things that maybe he's just fed up his his nature or his background is just he didn't know what what, what he what he's getting to when he first got traded here with uh, in the Brian Burke era, given the captaincy right off the bat, he thought maybe he can more or less live with it now he's starting to realize that it's a tougher city to play in. Uh, And especially when you're making $7 million on a new seven-year deal, it's it's a little bit harder for him to swallow and also the fans to swallow because, sure, he's going to log up 20 to 25 minutes a game. But when you're paying $7 million to an individual, give me P.K. Subban where he has a little bit of pizzazz and he's going to put up Mm -hmm. 50 to 60 points on on a regular basis. And and he's going to want to get involved for the sake of getting involved, not because he has to get involved because he wants to get involved.
2: How good? Speaking of, well, I want to talk about last night's game, and uh, I want to talk about the Leafs goalies. If the Leafs goalie, what teams could the Leafs goalies be number one on any other team in the NHL? Oh, boy. I'm, Uh, I'm, I'm going this route because... My feeling is Carey Price. If Carey Price is not the goalie for the Montreal Canadiens right now, they're in maybe a little bit better shape than the least, but not much. They might be in the, uh, the bottom three. There you go. Uh, I don't know where Bernier. Uh,
3: I haven't looked at the depth charts uh, of most of the teams uh, that actually need a number one goalie like Bernier. Obviously, you're looking at Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carolina's got Ward. They're paying him big bucks. Uh, Buffalo, Buffalo it is yeah. another team. Uh, I have three. You've made named two. Um, Arizona's got Mike Smith, so I'm not sure mm-hmm. if, if there's a good fit there. Uh, Jersey's got Snyder. Yeah,
2: there there isn't too many teams that you could be number one. Uh, no,
3: and, and you look at Minnesota. San Jose. San Jose, m- m- yeah. San Jose might Yeah, be because Diego. they're looking at moving Miami. You look at Minnesota. Minnesota was looking for a number 1 goalie, and they picked up Dubniak. And look at them now. They're, yeah. uh, I think, 9-1-2 and 2 in their last 12 road games. Yeah. So, uh, and they're just knocking on, on the door right now uh, in the playoffs. Um, other than those three teams, maybe St. Louis. I'm not sure whether they're too happy with Elliott or not and whether he's going
2: to take them far in the playoffs. So there's not really that many teams that, uh, that, that would uh, are looking for a number one goalie. So they're kind of stuck with these two goalies. And they were talking about Bernier moving at the trade deadline. He may be still, but I don't think he's going to be. And we, building a hockey team, I don't think that's changed ever. Like, I always said that you build from the goalie out. Goalie, defense, and up the middle, the center spot. Do you agree with that, Lou? I, I definitely do, and uh, that's how I build my hockey teams. Any team that I have
3: coached or I, I'm involved with, uh, obviously first you've got to start with, with one good goalie. Then you're going to have to look for two studs back on D that, that are going to log you plenty of ice time, and then you're going to have to get one centerman. Uh, and I think any team that, in any professional sports, you look at uh, baseball, you're built through the catcher, you're built through the pitcher, you're, you're built through the two middle infielders, and you're built through the center fielder. Uh, basketball, you're built through the point guard. And you're built through a big top center. Uh, so you definitely have to have a good, strong core down the middle that's going to offset any weaknesses
2: you have on the flanks. So where is the Leafs' strength then? Because their best player is on the wing. Their defense, the defense, he's not a number one defenseman, that's for sure. He's probably, He could be a 2 but definitely, I think a three and enough right? So you have no center, and you have your goalie is not uh, one of the top goalies. He's not Ryan Miller. He's not Roberto Luongo. Now let we go back to uh, another goalie that makes a difference. Roberto Luongo is in Florida right now. If he's the goalie for the Toronto Maple Leafs, are we talking a different tune? We might be talking a different team because you got to remember,
3: Roberto Luongo wanted to get traded back to Florida because he's in his comfort zone. Okay. Yeah. You look at the team that he had in Vancouver. He had a pretty good defense in front of him. Uh, Bernie, it just seems that he lacks that concentration for the full sixty minutes. He plays great, and then you see on odd nights nice, he just lets in a goal from the goal line. He lets in the goal that uh, I think Jersey scored on him from from center ice because he wasn't ready for the first fifteen twenty seconds of the. That was Arizona, uh, but that, yeah, Arizona, Arizona yeah. of the uh, period. So I think that's the difference between Bernie being a a one goalie in the, in the in the mold of Carey Price, uh, Cam Ward, and guys like that, than what he is right now. And you know the Leafs got a big decision to make. Are th- are they going to pay him three, four, five, six million dollars on a long term deal, or are they going to trade him because? Is he going to get any better than what he is? Is he the goalie that's going to be able to stand on his head and carry you to the ultimate goal? That's a Stanley Cup. Uh, We don't know that because he hasn't proven it here yet. Now, maybe if you put a good defense in front of him, uh, maybe he has. He's only going to have Morgan Riley is going to be the only legitimate. He's he's going to be a great defenseman. Yeah, he's going to be a great defenseman. So there's one part of your players down the middle. Bernier could be half a part. Obviously, they've been looking for this big stud down the middle for the last, what, Since Sundin left, yeah, Cadry is a good fill in for a number two. I don't think he'll ever be a number one.
2: No, he's a, he's, I thought he had a shout at being number one because of his offensive ability, but he doesn't. He's a a, a tweener, right? Yeah, he's he's a tweener. And if, if Peter Horchuk ever gets through the room, he could
3: be a really good third line center with the potential of, of scoring anywhere from 60 to 80 points because he's got that ad agitator title yeah, behind yeah. him. He can, he can really get under people's skins. Yeah. Uh, but he's got to come to play every single night, and that's the one thing that I've noticed with him. Uh, he's just looking at putting up points. If he just concentrated on, on what he had to do and what Peter's trying to teach him, I think he'd be a lot more successful at what he's doing.
2: Now, so we, we look back at the Leaf teams, and what teams have been the most successful? The ones that had Curtis Joseph and Ed Balfour. Other than that, and Felix Pavlen for a bit, okay, until uh, Cujo came back, came by and took his spot. When the Leafs have not had the goaltending, they have not done well. Not too many teams do exactly right, and a goalie can get you a championship,
3: can make you a lot of money as a as a coach. He can get you fired as a coach because he's the last line of uh, of demander, right? Uh, you look at the teams in the late 90s, uh, early 2000s, all those teams had Cujo and and, and, uh, and Belfort, but all those teams had an identity. They had the Darcy Gary Tuckers, Roberts. Gary Roberts. They brought in Shane Corson. They had Stevie Thomas. They had Wendell Clark. They had guys that were willing to battle, and you look at the battles that they had with Ottawa. Uh, they had the Ty Dolmys. You don't fool around with their major players, because we're going to take care of your major players, and we're, you're not going to do that in our building. Sure, they're going to, you know, Balfour and, um, and Cujo stood on his head most of the nights, but that's what goalies are paid to do, and they got paid well to do it. So, But when you have the front line that has an identity that they had, it was tough to come into the Air Canada building uh, on those nights and, and do the things that they're doing to that team right now.
2: Now, they did have identity behind the bench, too, and, and I think Pat, Pat Quinn was the main cog in the whole uh, wheel for the Leafs back then because he handled, he was the one guy, the one guy even more than Pat Burns, the one guy that could handle the media, handle his players and the players were protected. Pat Quinn was that type of guy and he's a certain Hall of Famer for sure in my books. Your thoughts? Um I, I think you're totally right on there. Uh Pat knew how to play of the media
3: to a tee in in this city, uh, he never had to yell at his players. he had enough character on that team that the players knew when they weren't playing well. they knew exactly what they had to do to survive. Uh, they knew exactly what they had to do to get to the next level. Uh, the Ottawa teams uh, again, I bring back to the, the rivalry of Ontario there. Ottawa was far better during the regular season, mm-hmm. but you look at the teams when they play in the playoffs, Ottawa was not even in the same class because our guys rose to the top they knew exactly what they had to do to whom they had to do it because they knew Ottawa was going to back down at that time and and Pat was more or less a guy that uh, knew exactly what punches to throw when to back off when to get in the media's face and, and just the little things because one he is a lawyer and he knew how to play the
2: media in this city we had an interview with Brad Marsh, who was a former teammate of yours back in uh, eighty nine, ninety, and he was he had uh, high regards for Pat Quinn. Uh, he, he coached him in Philadelphia, and he felt that he was one of the best coaches ever in the NHL. And uh, he proved it in Toronto. He, he proved it in Vancouver too. And what 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 happens with the next coach of the Leafs, Louis? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Who is it, oh, going to it be? can't be Horchuk because there's no. no way that uh I've said some things in the past I don't like I didn't like that move with Horchuk and he won't be the coach he so. had no choice to put Horchuk in there you're yeah. not going to put Steve spott with only one year of pro hockey behind him. Uh,
3: Peter Horchuk had been uh, an assistant for a number of years with Nashville uh, a couple of years also with Atlanta uh, he was a head coach last year he was interim head coach with the with the Florida Panthers um I look at two candidates, and I'm not sure whether either one of them will come here or whether they want to come here if they want to come into this fishbowl here. Obviously, Babcock's going to be first and foremost out there.
2: I'm Uh, still calling for him to be here. I've done that for a year and a half, and I'm not backing up. Well, do you think he's going to change this organization right
3: now? That's going to be a tough... uh, It'll
2: be a step in the right direction. It will be a step
3: in the right direction, but then you're going to need the right players. Uh, are they will they deal Kessel? Then will Kessel follow into the Mike Babcock uh, formula? Uh, there's a name out there that you know everybody's probably talked about. It's going to be Todd McClellan in uh, in San Jose. It doesn't look like San Jose is going to make the playoffs, uh, and you know he's will probably be the first guy that's going to be gone yeah. in that organization once they clean house. Unless the owners are going to say, well, listen, Dougie Wilson didn't get you the players, and um, Todd, you you've got another year to go. If Babcock does leave. I think McClellan's going to go to Detroit. Now, whether Babcock comes here or whether he goes somewhere else, you know, that's a different story because I don't know how much money they're talking about um, to come here and, and coach this uh, this organization. And you know he's going to want a lot more say. Uh, Shanahan is familiar with the with the Red Wing
2: so-called template. And he played for Babcock, too.
4: I'm not Shanahan, I'm, I'm,
0: yeah, he did.
2: did he, he had 82 points one year with uh, okay, Babcock. Okay, so, so there you go. So he, he knows a lot
3: more about uh, Babcock and what he wants to do. But now is he going to be willing to, and is the corporate end of it going to be willing to give Babcock that much leeway and
2: decision-making uh, for him to come here? Because I know that's what Babcock wants. I think that uh, with the state of the uh, the union here, uh, they'll give Babcock whatever he wants to coach this team. That's the, the feeling I have. The Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment wants to uh, so- solve this pr- issue right away. And uh, they always talk about getting the big name. Mike Bagpacock is definitely the big name. It, it definitely is. And, uh, and, again, does he want to come into this fishbowl? Uh, I don't know uh,
3: uh, his mettle right now. Uh, I know he's quite comfortable. He's got great players in in Detroit. Uh, he's molded that team to the way that uh, that the, he wants them to play. You look at the players that they brought up, Tatar, uh, this kid Marchinko now, uh, Helm, Akhledaner. Uh, Nyquist. These guys have all spent three or four two years in the minors. Yeah. They, they have, they have, uh, they've built their metal in the minor leagues. They've gotten to the point where we, there's nothing that they can do in the minor leagues that's going to be any good. They have to be brought up, and that is the great way. This, you look at the old Montreal teams. Montreal, back in the late 70s, early 60s, they always had their, their first and second round picks, and all their draft picks spent at least two to three years minimum, in the minors, in get used Scotia, to the buses, yeah. guys. Get used to the buses, play hard down there, and then we'll see what happens. You know, you'll know, you be able to come up as a fill-in here and there, but show me that you want to get out of there on a regular basis, and then we'll bring you up. And the Montreal teams, where were, they're were all so familiar with, with bringing their players in the minors, and, and then calling them up, and look what
2: they've done. Give out the phone numbers again, 416 360 740 4740 You can talk to both Louis Franceschetti and myself. We'll be back
4: in a few moments after commercial break. It was a rainy day when our All About the Taste event continued at Pizzaville. If you agree that Pizzaville's bacon cheeseburger pizza is the best-tasting bacon cheeseburger pizza you've ever had, go to pizzaville.ca and enter to win a ski trip to Alberta. If you don't think it's the best-tasting bacon cheeseburger pizza... Enter to win a different trip because you might feel more at home in Big Knob, Kentucky.
1: For details go to pizzaville.ca
0: Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple.
6: That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alta Infinity, woodbridge.com at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship
5: doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigobon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigobon
0: Carly, the intelligent choice. Discover Villanova College. York Region's only independent co-educational Catholic school. We offer small class sizes and a commitment to academic excellence towards properly preparing students for university and lifelong success. If you are a young person or a parent seeking more from today's education, then take a moment to learn more about Villanova College. Find out about our specialized enrichment programs, including STEM and advanced placement. For information regarding admissions or to schedule a personal tour, visit villanovacollege.org. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests.
1: Are they ever wrong about sports? I can answer that in two words. Impossible. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome back. We have X-Leaf Lou Franceschetti and
2: myself, we're taking calls at 416 740 740 4740 We have a call from Brantford, Ontario. And you know who came from Brantford, Louis. Uh, I got no clue. Uh, Tell me. Number 98? No, no, 99. <laughs> Sam from Brantford, you're going to talk to us about the Leafs.
0: Yes, uh, my, my position is this. First of all, I did not watch the game last night because I knew that they were not going to win against Montreal. So my question is this. There's too many people on the Toronto Maple Leafs organization that get involved in things that they should not be getting involved in. When you hire the right people to run your team or a construction company or whatever it is, you don't have to be looking after their shoulders to see whether they do the right thing or not. This is what I find with Toronto. There's too many people with their fingers in the pie.
2: Thanks for your call. What do you think? What do you think, Louis? Sam, who would be the right people to run this? Oh, he's off the air. He's off the air. He's just... You know what? He's got a good point there
3: because it's... And it it goes back to... With this organization, you have to answer to a corporate entity. There's not one owner that you have to answer to. You you have to answer to 10 or 15 guys depending on how many guys are on the board. So everybody's going to have their own taste. And every meal, every deal that they make... They think they bring in the right guy. Was Brian Burke the right guy? He might. I, been I a, think it, he was. I think
2: they made a big mistake well, of getting rid of. He him brought
3: Burke. in. He brought back the identity that they, that they had been missing, and because he knew, in this market, it would be successful. Uh, Dave Nonis is a is a uh, is part of was part of Brian Burke, because they'd worked together in Vancouver. They got completely different identities. They got probably completely different agendas. Uh, now they're going to bring in Brendan Shanahan, who more or less very very raw, but he played in a in a great template in in Detroit. Saw what they did there with the personnel with the personnel that they had there. Uh, they were very very patient, and maybe with this organization you have to be patient. You have to take your bumps on the road for a couple of years. You got to be drafted in the top three or four for a couple of years to be successful. Because right now. Uh, We were talking it off air. They've only got four draft picks since 2007 on this hockey team. And you can't build a strong foundation without your own
2: uh, homegrown talent. That's so true. And most of the teams, we talked about it off air. But Anaheim Mighty uh, Ducks, or the Mighty Ducks, their main core was drafted. Like their top players were drafted. And uh, you know Corey Perry and uh, Gesslaff are two phenomenal players. At least they're not in that yeah, situation. And, and you
3: draft those players. If I, I think Gesslaff you drafted 13th, and Perry you drafted in the 20s. So you yeah. have to have somebody. Uh, that's going to catch your eye out there. That's that's going to step in as a late first round pick. Uh, the Leafs moved up to get Tyra Biggs. I don't think Tyler Biggs is ready to play in the National Hockey right now, or even or even later. And you look at the other teams. You look how does Detroit succeed with having a top or bottom end feeder every single year because they go for the most talented player on the list, knowing that they can mold him with a couple of years in the minors. You look at uh, you look at Philadelphia. They drafted Jeff. Uh, Mike Richards and Jeff Carter, and then they had they draft Giroux, and these are all players 15 and later. Yeah. Right. So it's just one of those things that you have to have a good scouting system in place, and you got to get lucky with one or a draft picks. So you can't keep drafting in the top 10 and be a, and be an also
2: ran like Edmonton has been. Carey Price was drafted fifth, 2007. 2007 or was it 2005? 2005. 2005. Do you know who the uh, Leafs drafted that year? Yeah, Tuukka And they've been looking for a goalie for the last eight years. But or that's 10 John. Years. Fer- yeah, that's John Ferguson Jr. You know, this is this stuff has got to stop. When they draft players, they have to keep them and develop them. Now, let's get back to Tyler Biggs for a sec. I know a minor midget coach who coached when Biggs played. At the minor midget level, I think he played for the Marlies. I'm not sure. I think he played for the Marlies back then at minor midget. And those coaches that were on the minor midget team of one of the GTHL teams said that Tyler Biggs was not even in the top 30 in their league and the least drafted him in the first round. They, they have to go, and I think they'll do this with Mark Hunter now, they have to go to the minor midget games and even the bantam games to see these kids and how they develop in their character, to see how what they're going to be like. Because really, the the time frame from 15 to 18 years old is not really that much. By the time they 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 play minor hockey and they go into the OHL, what's your opinion on that?
3: Well, it's funny because I coached. I was an assistant coach with the Young Nats in the 2000, uh, I not 2005, 2006 area, and I had the the 91s, and on that team I had. Brandon Perry, who got second, drafted second round. Uh, Tyler Sagan, as a 14-year-old, he was, one wow. year, he was one year under the minor midget level. Um, the two top teams in that, at that level were the uh, Mississauga reps, with uh, a good friend of mine, Cosmo Nardoni, was coaching. And his team was stacked. And I think they won every tournament. Uh, they must have lost, I think, three games in the last three years. as ban- Minor bantams, bantams, and um, minor midgets. And the Toronto Marlies. Uh, out of those teams... Uh, Casey Kazikas got drafted third round, was probably a second or even a late first round pick because of his ordeal off uh, yeah, as, as, a, rug, uh, as a rugby, rugby player. player. Yeah. And Ben Sherratt were are the only two players that got drafted off that minor midget team. Now, we had three players on our team, and Riley Smith. Uh, really the left, good player. The, yeah, yeah the, the, the left winger. And you could see Riley was going to be that type of, of winger when I had him as a minor midget coach. It, it's just you. some coaches like to take, or some People like to take a look at kids when they're 15 or 16 years old because you get their work ethic and practice. I I was on the bench at the 2005 level – no, sorry, the 95 uh, group when Don Mills had Max Domi on And I could see him right off the bat that he was going to be a superstar because every drill, he was the first guy in line that wanted to lead the drill and show everybody the way it was done. Usually superstars – I mean, guys don't do that. They sit in the back and – they wait till everybody else goes and then they go. But you could see that Max had that special uh thing about him that he wanted to he wanted to get better every single practice and he let it off the right way.
2: That's interesting. And you know you know who did that was Mike Fuda. He would go to the minor major because he came from Owen Sound. He came from the development of all these guys and he know he knows them. He knew all these players. Their character, uh, what their parents were like, uh this is all very important in the whole scheme of things. Well, right, whole, right now it is, yeah, because you don't know.
3: Usually, the, the the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And I remember Michael when I was coaching with the Vaughn Vipers in the junior A level. He used to coach St. Mike's, and I, he he I had to walk into that into that building because he had guys like Kevin Klein and and people of that nature. And he knew his his team, and then he went over to St. Mike's as a junior A thing, as a as an assistant coach there. So he knows exactly how to build. And, and mold a team, and you look at the players that they have right now on L.A., 14 players from Ontario. Yep. And they're all big, and they can all skate, and they all compete. That is the big thing. Tyler Toffoli, he was on a top-ranked minor midget team with, uh, with the junior Canadians. He wasn't the best player on that team. McFarlane was. was What happened nowhere. to
2: McFarland? Because that guy disappeared from uh, the face of the earth, and he was supposed to be like Connor McDavid, Back then, not as not as publicized, but pretty close. He,
3: he was as true as a natural goal scorer as you can possibly get. Uh, I think he had some issues off ice with with parents. Uh, I heard the scenario that what happened at the uh, at the draft in L.A. with him and his dad. Um, and again, this is all hearsay. I, I couldn't tell you exactly what happened. I just more, more or less got an overview of what happened. You look at players on that team, like even that uh, Cameron team. They hardly lost any games, but Tyler Toffoli and Devon Pelle Smith were the two guys that stood out for me because they came to compete every single night. and And Christian Thomas was on uh, was on the Marlins because Stevie was coaching them then. And and look at what he's done. So sometimes you have to look at kids at that level because they, they really that's where they get their work ethic. Work ethic doesn't grow on trees. You 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 have to really work at it. Talent might grow on trees, but. You really get a good work ethic at the at the midget level because you want to shine, you want to get drafted in the first round in the O, you want to get drafted in the second, or, second or third, and then you want to show everybody that you're well worth getting drafted in the first or second round. But now your world expands and you're going right across Canada. You're not going only in Ontario to get drafted, so you have to go against guys that are from Alberta, farmers that are growing up in, in Calgary and in Saskatchewan. That you know they'll carve your eyes out just to move five feet ahead of you.
2: Yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting, that the Ontario players, how many are playing in the NHL right now. Now, we had Mike Arruzzione. We interviewed him last week uh, with the America, Miracle on Ice uh, anniversary. And he mentioned about Jack Eichel, and he compared some of his uh, traits to Mario Lemieux. You played against Mario Lemieux, Louis. How good was Mario Lemieux? Mario Lemieux is probably the most skilled
3: hockey player, athlete, uh, of his generation, what he could do uh, as big as he was uh most nights he didn 't look like he was doing anything, but all I had to do was one rushed up and down the ice, and you could see what kind of special talent, like he would take three guys on you look at you look at the highlights that are uh, that are on t v right now, the top ten uh, on a regular basis in a sports center. And Mario's right in the middle of everything. He takes on three guys from the Minnesota North Stars in the 1991 Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, and he was just phenomenal. They say that Wayne Gretzky is the best player, probably, but the most talented player with hockey skills, uh, in my uh, view and an
2: estimation, uh, he's far and above anybody. If Jack, if Jack Eichel is half the player Mario Lemieux is, he's going to be a real good hockey player. He, he really is.
3: Uh, I've seen Jack play uh, a number of times just on TV. I haven't seen him in person yet. And he's got that demeanor too, that easy, nonchalant. Everything comes very easy to him. But when he gets that puck around the net, he knows where to, what to do with it.
2: So the, the, whoever's drafting one or two is going to get a really good player, in McDavid or Eichel, right?
3: You're, you're, you're going to get a very good hockey player, but you're going to get two different styles of hockey player but you're going to get one triple-A hockey player, and you're probably going to get one double-A hockey player because that's how good, and that's what really separates uh, both of them. You know, Jack Eichel's uh, six foot 3 right-handed shot. Uh, McDavid's uh, a left-handed shot is probably, what, five eleven, six foot. But I've never seen guy goes, guys like him go coast-to-coast. Coast, uh, really at, quick. At, oh, he's unbelievable, taking three guys on, and, and they can't stop him. They know he's coming. They set up a trap, and he still beats it. Yeah, that's for sure.
2: 416-360-0740, 1866-740-4740. Now, the Leafs, our favorite team. We keep going back to the Maple Leafs, Louis. What do they do um, next year? Do they bring Winnick back or Santorelli back? I'd like to see them bring both of them back. But
3: again, it's going to have to follow follow into uh, the scheme of uh, the salary cap. Uh, I'm not sure what uh, Mike Santorelli is asking for uh, but or, or Daniel Winnick. But I would imagine uh, with the year that they've had, uh, they're probably going to ask for a three- to four-year deal, uh, at least a three-year deal in the vicinity of anywhere from $2.5 million to $3.5 million. Now, is that going to be too rich to give a guy like Santorelli, who's going to be a... Uh, probably no more than the third line winger and same with daniel winnick and especially at the ages that they're at uh 27 29 uh with santorelli so you know that's the decision that uh, the big boys are going to make upstairs uh i would bring daniel winnick back i would try to uh knowing that he, he was so successful and he fit into the dressing room here he's a mississauga boy he was happy to be here worked really hard and uh, But, again, it's going to come down to dollars and cents and see where they're going to fit them in at the salary cap.
2: Earl from Oakville. Yes, I'd like to ask about the farm club, the Marlies. Uh, isn't there any guys that can get to step up to the plate and play for the Leafs?
3: Do I think there's anybody in the Marlies that uh, – I haven't watched any of their games this year, so I can't really say. Uh, I'm just looking at the draft picks that they've had. And uh, if you look at their call-ups that they've had recently mm-hmm. – uh, it just tells me that there, there really isn't much down there that they have faith in, or they have any uh, value
2: of, of bringing well, the them only, up. Well, the only kid down there is Nylander, Michael, uh, Michael, well, yeah, son, me, yeah, Boy. But, uh, but they're not going to
3: bring him up in this situation right now. No.
2: Uh, Thanks for the call, Earl. Okay. Take care. Uh,
3: okay. They 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 traded for Carter Ashton, and now they've dealt him away. Um, I'm not sure what they have on as a depth uh, up front up there. They, they really yeah. don't
2: have that much.
3: Obviously, uh, they're, they've got to be quite happy with McKaig. Uh, Connor Brown is the guy. Could, that Con- they, Connor Brown could be the guy that, yeah. uh, that could eventually probably step in there. And again, you don't want to bring a guy that's really not ready. Uh, yeah, you, you bring
2: back the Detroit situation. Yeah, you you want him to the, stay down there for right. a couple
3: of years, two or three years uh, right. in development. And, and, and not necessarily tear the league up down in the minors, but be very comfortable and be very confident because, you know, when you come up here and you have to play a second-line role, you're going to play with confidence. But if something happens on the ice that, for whatever reason, is not your, uh, out of your control, they're going to put you back on the third and fourth line. And Connor Brown is not a third- or fourth-line player. He's a, no, he's he's a first- or second-line player yeah. that's going to put up big numbers. So you really have to get a player down there that's going to fill the role that you're looking at when they called up.
2: I hear the kid works really hard. I, I've only watched the Marlies play once. but I He's hear a Toronto kid, boy. He's a Toronto boy. <laughs> And uh, the kid I was impressed with and I think who could play on a fourth line and kill penalties is Sam Carrick. He's good on the draw, too. Uh, I think Sam Carrick has the right
3: uh, personality to play on a, on a fourth line here. Yeah. An, an agitator, uh, a guy that's willing to go to uh, to battle with uh, with the rest of your guys. He's a guy that's going to go on the ice and, and create a little bit of energy. Uh, but again, you've got to put him in that position to succeed. You can't put him in the in a position to fail. Meaning for sure, that for sure. Go out and do whatever you have to do, okay? And see what you can do. With. If you make mistakes, you're going to make mistakes at the National Hockey level. Uh, but just go out and play the game and show me what you can do. And it is a far different animal to play in the American League It is
2: than it is in the National Hockey League Stuart Stuart Percy is another one that could play. But Stuart, again, he's a defenseman. Yeah, and he, he's a right? defenseman. And they really take a lot of time. Yeah, they, they really do. So What happens with defensemen? They, and it happened with uh, the kid that uh, Myers from Buffalo. Has a good rookie year, and then he falls back. To a lot of these guys, it looks like defensemen start off good, really well, and then they fall back for some reason. Why is that, Louis? I think
3: it's just a, uh, the sophomore jinx. Uh, everything's – you know, they work to get there in, in their first year, and everything's going well, and it seems like maybe they're playing a little bit over their head, and in the second year, they retract a little bit. Uh, what I'd like, what I'd like to see is more or less uh, players in their third and fourth year and see how well they adjust – and they react to having a, an unsuccessful or uh, a backtrack second year. Uh, you know, you're going to come out. Every rookie is going to come out and have a great first year, yeah. uh, especially a first-round pick. Now, a uh, perfect example is, is Bo Horvath in, in Vancouver. He's having a great – but he's put in a situation where he's a fourth-line centerman. Mm-hmm. And he's killing penalties. So let's yeah. see how he comes out next year. Um uh, and see how he reacts to to second year in the league, how everybody else is going to react to to what he did the first year, Uh, and then we'll see what happens in the third and fourth year. If you keep making small steps, uh, I think you're going to do well. And even if you come back that second year just a little bit, but then come back the third year knowing that, okay, well, the second year was a social year, it wasn't to my expectations, and you come back that third year uh, knowing that it could be a contract year, Uh, And that second contract is very important to some of these guys.
2: Does Evander
3: Kane bounce back? Uh, I think he does. Uh, I don't think he was very happy in Winnipeg. He's going to go into a very, very more comfortable area in Buffalo where he's not going to be recognized as much as he is in Winnipeg because it is a Canadian city. It is a hockey mecca. Buffalo has never been. You look at the small market teams like Buffalo, Arizona, Carolina, Florida—you can walk around that city and you can do whatever the hell you want. Were you ever dealt at the trade deadline? Uh, no, but I was—I was talked about. Uh, it was funny when I when I came here. Uh, obviously, uh, my success uh, was a little bit too far for me to handle. Uh, but I was talked about at the trade deadline in 1990, just before uh, the year that I was having in, in Toronto because they didn't. It's a thing to do. Uh, Yeah. And you get more or less, you got to put it behind you, and if it happens, it happens. Uh, And some of these guys, you know, sometimes they they look into it too much. Just go and play hockey. I've always said to anybody, do your talking on the ice and let everything off the ice handle itself.
2: Louis, thanks very much for coming in today. This was uh, quite uh, the discussion. We had a couple of really good phone calls talking about the farm system and uh, the too many uh, fingers in the pie. I'd like to thank Lou Franceschetti again. And Wally will be back next week on our show. Thanks very much and have
0: a good week. Thank you. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.